Well, hello, Bible Love listeners. Um, so glad you're with us today. Um, we will talk about what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, but um, telling Alan, I've got out my grandmother's Bible, and a couple people have um, said that they really loved this prayer that I prayed before. So we thought we would share it again. It's called For Today. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Oh God, give me strength to live another day. Let me not turn coward before its difficulties or prove recurrent to its duties. Let me not lose faith in other people. Keep me sweet and sound of heart in spite of treachery or meanness. Preserve me from minding little stings or giving them. Help me to clean my heart, keep my heart clean, and to live so honestly and fearlessly that no outward failure can dishearten me or take away the joy. Open wide the eyes of my soul that I may see good in all things. Grant me this day some new vision of your truth. Inspire me with the spirit of joy and gladness. And make me the cup of strength to suffering souls. In the name of the strong deliverer, our only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. First off, I think I should preemptively apologize. Uh, the property here gets mowed on Monday mornings, and that's new. And so when last time we recorded and I was in my office, we didn't have this. And so if you hear um, a weed eater outside my window in the background, that is indeed what it is. But we'll muscle through. I'll try to keep muted when I'm not talking. and I don't talk much, so that won't take too much effort. Well, you're going to have to talk a lot, Alan, because yeah. So first chronicles, yeah. So Dr. Tony, if you remember, we'll link to his notes um, that he wrote. He talked about that this is largely a repeat of of what we've already heard, and and we'll see that in here, particularly. So we're going to try to get through, not try to. We are going to get through First Chronicles uh, chapters one through ten today. All it is is lists of names, basically. There's a couple of things in there that aren't names. A couple I want to point out. One that became a best-selling phenomenon in the year 2000. Um, and I worked at a Christian bookstore, and so I have a lot to say whenever we get to First um, Chronicles 4, Chapter 10. Um, but otherwise, this is I mean, it starts with Adam and goes through Saul and lists hundreds of names in between. It's a you know, in the biblical literature, it's called a genealogy, right? And we find them in Genesis, probably the most famous ones in Matthew, all the begats and all that. It's always a struggle. What do we do with all these names? So, Mary Balfour, what are we going to do with all these names? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I thought you I, had the answer. Yeah, right. Um, I don't have the answer. But I do. I have been thinking a lot about this since we recorded the podcast last week. It's, it's sort of divine intervention that where we stopped um, back in May and where we're picking up. And you you pointed this out. You know, it's kind of like 
the first couple of weeks of going back to school, you need a refresher course. I think what's interesting about this, it is a retelling of events that were recorded primarily in the books of Samuel and Kings, but we do get today, you know, from Adam to Abraham, the descendants of Ishmael, um, you know, all the different kings, the descendants of Judah, but it's told from a different point of view. And I think that's interesting in, in, and it's not something I've really ever thought about, Alan. Like when you think about the Bible, you're like, this is God's words, right? But we forget that this is some, this stuff happened and then it didn't get written down till a long time later, you know, and the chronicle, chronicler is, is giving us this from a different point of view, which is really necessary when we're trying to discern all this. When you and I do the Bible Love podcast, like we, we're giving our points of view of what we think happened. And so it's kind of interesting to hear from a different point of view. And not only that, but what the chronicler chooses to tell and doesn't choose to tell from what we've already learned, right? I mean, literally the first chapter is all these descendants, right? And he didn't keep in everything that we might have heard um, in the first part of Genesis. Um, it, it, you know, it's the from Abraham to, from Adam to Abraham. We may not have heard some of these in the first part of Genesis when we read Genesis the first time, or he didn't put in all the things we heard from Genesis the first time. So it is kind of interesting to hear a different point of view, which is what makes us learn and grow, right? To hear different points of view. Yeah. Judy Fentress Williams, who was my Old Testament professor um, at at VTS, she calls a genealogy the unsung workhorses of scripture. Because hmm. she, she frames it as like a storytelling device, right? Number one, you're setting the stage. The chronicler is connecting his world, their world, to the past, through the genealogy, through the present, and even through this like unbroken line projecting it into the future, David's lineage, right? Matthew's going to pick that up and do the same thing and connect mm-hmm. the past to the present and Jesus's ongoing work. And so we see that there, but you know, the, the omissions, right? I think are important is maybe that's something that, that over time this person's become less important to the story or the additions to genealogies, right? What names have been added in. There's something like 50 women included in these yeah. genealogies, which doesn't always happen. Um, and another thing that I think is interesting is there's a pretty well-defined ancestral line, starting with Adam, right? Mm-hmm. That begs the question, like, is Adam a real person, mm-hmm. right? Or has history said this is the name and the, here are the descendants going in? Um, and how does it become all this? Because at some point, right, like once we get to Abraham, whatever, that's pretty well decided that that's actual history. Everything before that is primordial history where it's, we're kind of making things up. Maybe Uh, Mm -hmm. there's arguments out there. If you disagree, you can email Mary Balfour. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, but there's names like, so we're putting names and a lineage to, to a story, maybe Mm -hmm. um, to the creation story. And, and connecting that to when we know things become real history. 
Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. And, you know, Tony talked about this last week. Um, in this first chapter, you know, is Abraham, his two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And we all descend from these, from Isaac, right? I mean, basically, like the whole world, all the people that are here, all the different colors, all the different accents, all the different, I mean, you know, like that's pretty huge to think about, like how how that can happen, you know? Um, and so understanding our lineage and our, the genealogy is super important. I, um, I, I started this prayer this morning from, you know, my grandmother's Bible. And this summer, um, my grandmother's still alive. She's 98. She's a wealth of information. Um, but I got like a lot of her genealogy stuff because she just wanted someone to have it. And it's fascinating to look at like where we come from, who we are, why we're made up the way that we are made up. And to think all of that came from Abraham, you know, that's pretty mind blowing to me in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Abraham was promised that your descendants would be as numerous as the stars, right? And that popped up in our um, epistle reading last week, right? When it talked about about him and that, and he and Sarah, and then you think like. He didn't believe it. It's hard to, to fathom that. But then here, the chronicler writes down, and from the point Adam shows up, then there's nine more chapters of names. Yeah. yeah. And that's just in the immediate um, generations after him. And then now it's expanded to to all of us. And Yeah, it's really just, interesting. She, so, yeah. Let me ask you this. All right. So, or let's talk about this. So, basically, chapters one two, three, four, five, maybe all the chapters, no, um, six, are, are giving us the genealogy and the descendants of this person, that person, this person, that person, all of which we've already talked about in all these books of the Bible that we've already studied in a, like, ten-page synopsis, basically. Right. I mean, that's kind of what these first couple of chapters are about. And then you get into, um, I'm kind of in uh, chapter six, again, more descendants, the descendants of Levi, the descendants of Aaron. Um, And then we get to, um, I'm sorry, excuse me, my Bible is sticking together. We get to more descendants, more descendants, and all the and the tribes and all of that. So basically, we are in a history lesson right now. Like that's where we are, in the, and 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 we've talked about the importance of this and why we should do that. Um, but there was one particular story you said that was really interesting to you. So I wanted to put you on the spot. Yeah. So I worked at a small little bookstore, Logos Bookstore. The it's still a chain kind of, and it's around places. The one I worked at is no longer there. And I worked there in college and it was, um, it was a really interesting take on Christian subculture because it wasn't like, you know, you may be familiar with Mardell, which is giant and like all Mm -hmm. the, the Christian rock subculture and all that stuff from the nineties and the two thousands, you would expect that at Mardell. This was a really small place. It had a huge gift section. Like we trafficked in beanie babies. Like, this is way more detailed than you want to know. 
So like Beanie Baby Delivery Day, if you can put yourself back in like 99, 2000, was a huge day. We had women mainly lining up outside, whatever. Left Behind books were huge sellers, right? The Jan Karen novels, Mitford, those things. Sure. Then along comes the, this guy, Bruce Wilkinson, who wrote this really tiny little book called The Prayer of Jabez. I'd never, right? I'm a college kid. I'd read some of my Bible. I'd never heard of this. I read this book. It spawns a whole thing. There's like the journal of Jabez. There's like all this, like this, as some Christian subculture kind of does, is it beats things to death. Mm -hmm. It milked this for what it's worth. It became a bestseller, all of this. Yeah, I have the book. Yeah, so it's right here in the midst of First Chronicles 4. There's the sons of so-and-so, the sons of so-and-so, the sons of so-and-so. And then in 9, it breaks that genealogy, and it gives us a little vignette of this guy named Jabez. And it says, Jabez was honored more than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, and here's the prayer of Jabez, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from hurt and harm. And God granted what he asked. Mm. So as you can imagine, this prayer of Jabez, right? It's been lumped in with prosperity gospel because enlarge my border. What does that mean? You know, um, that your hand might be with me, keep me from hurt and harm. Like, And so this was interesting. You know, I was kind of in a, a mode of, of deconstruction at this point in my life. I had been raised um, kind of conservative Lutheran, and I was, you know, starting to attend an Episcopal church. It was still a pretty conservative Episcopal church, but I was wrestling personally with things about, like, what is all this stuff? Um, and here's this book that, this is a prayer, right? Like I would maybe pray this prayer, enlarge my border, you know, give me responsibility, give me what it, sure. keep me from harm. These are things. But then this book got kind of co-opted by the prosperity gospel side and it became almost a, a God is a giant vending machine prayer. Right. right. If we pray God enlarge my whatever, you know, we're talking about our 401k. Mm-hmm. And so it was really interesting to me at this point when, you know, this came out in 2000, I was 21 at the time or whatever. Um, to see this really tiny book like set off this firestorm. We don't actually need to talk about prosperity gospel unless you want to, but I, I think it's crazy that like this whole thing that was a big deal in kind of the evangelical Christian subculture came out of these two random verses in the midst of something nobody ever reads. No one ever reads. Like as we talked about it last week, it's not in our electionary. You'll never hear it Sunday morning in a Episcopal church, in a mainline church. I wanted to read the version of that from, um, this is today's English version that I'm reading out, out of. It said, but Jezebel, Jezebel prayed to the God of Israel, bless me, God, and give me much land. Be with me and keep me from anything evil that might cause me pain. And God gave him what he prayed for. So those are a little bit like more simplified words than, than your version, yeah. but it is, it's so like self-imposing. It's a God bless me. God make me, you know, instead of what we always, you know, our, I try to pray of help me be open to others. Help me to be sweet. Like I was saying yeah. in the prayer earlier, help me to be kind, you know, and so it just sort of blew up these little rant, this little random prayer and people took it for all it was worth. It's kind of what you're saying, you know? Yeah. But like if you, I mean, 
Scripture, if we take it at its face, Scripture holds Jabez up as an example. Scripture says God answered the prayer. This guy asked and God answered it. Right. right. And so then it becomes this whole question of, and this is Bible love, not theology love, but what is the purpose of prayer? Mm-hmm. Can we pray, God, give me, right? Keep me from harm, protect me. We pray for all that. That's a little easier for us to grasp. But in our current tradition, you know, kind of the main line, particularly the Episcopal tradition, I think people would be really uncomfortable with a prayer like enlarge my territory. Right. Give me more. That makes me like, oh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So what do you do when scripture holds that up? Yeah. And I don't know the don't answer know. to, to yeah. that. And I think it's its own interpretation, you know, but it's interesting. Like you said, this little cherry picking that we tend to do, you know, whether you're Episcopalian or anything else, we love to cherry pick and say, well, the Bible says this. So I should be able to pray to have more land because it helped work for somebody else. So it must work for me as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I, I, I want to go back on one thing that we were talking about a minute ago. Okay. So like one through 10 is this like condensed version of all the things that we've already heard in the Bible, basically the, not all the things we've already heard, the, the, um, the descendants, the genealogy. And then what we get to next week is more of that, but it's a lot about David, which if you remember what Tony said last week, the chronicler is a big fan of David, you know, and he's, it's interesting to me that we, that he like compacts this in 10 chapters, like basically Genesis through, I don't know, um, through like Samuel, I guess, or the first part of Samuel. And then, um, then, then the rest of the first part of Chronicles is basically David, right? So that I think Tony's thoughts about like this loving on David is, is, is actually really right when you start dividing up the actual chapters and reading it and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, not that I ever doubt Dr. Tony, he knows exactly what he's talking about. I think this is like the visual or, or the realness of what he was saying as you dig deep into the weeds of these books. Um, yeah. or I, I mean, even, you know, another way the chronicler uses this genealogy and other folks use genealogies as well is to highlight different things. Right. Right. And so, you know, the, the tribes are outlined in here and they talk about the descendants from that Judah gets big play, which makes sense. Right. The tribe of Judah is a major player in like the entire story of scripture. Right. But here also in Chronicles, um, the descendants of Levi, the Levitical, um, line. And so that, you know, I was reading Dr. Fentress Williams and she talks about how that highlights, um, the, this focus no doubt reflects an emphasis on the role the Levites will play in the reestablishment of the religious life and identity of the people. So the mm-hmm. chronicler is trying to, you know, advocate Make for, it- or, yeah. make an impact on, you know, we're getting back to the religious life. And so we need to do that. We need the priests. And so we need the Levites. And so we're going to highlight their role um, versus other places. You know, you don't hear about them as much, depending on if someone's trying to highlight the the priestly heritage or not. And so, yeah, 
I think you make an excellent point because some people could be like, okay, this is here for like a refresher course, right? But it also, I think, I mean, Dr. Williams is perfectly right. And like, I think, again, it's not just the refresher course. It's like, why do we need to know this? And again, going back to what Tony said last week, and I think what we named the podcast is you have to know your history to move forward. You know, you have to understand what happened to you in your past before you can, and we can say that about 2022, like what, what things in my life have made me who I am, you know, what things in this, in the past, in the Bible, can I understand? What do I connect with? You know, because back to it all, remember we're all descendants of Abraham, you know, so we can all find ourselves in this some way, somehow. So it's not just like a refresher course. So let's, we're halfway through the old Testament. Let's have a little, I mean, that's important. But it's also like, we need to get this. We really need to understand this. And um, the, the Chronicler, I think, is is really making a statement. I'm sort of sad it's not in the lectionary more because I think it's important to, hey, y'all, this is Im- really important stuff. And let's go back and remember, you know, how the Levites, how the Benjamin Benjamites, all those people, like how it all came together, you know. So, yeah, I think you, you should preach on the prayer of Jabez sometime. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> no, but this is, you know, you talk about 2022, right? And that's a whole nother deal is, you know, the past is the past. We don't need to dwell on it is an argument you hear from, right? No matter, lots of different topics. Um, but let's talk about racial injustice for an instance, mm-hmm. right? is why do we need to talk about stuff that happened in the 50s? Why do we need to talk about stuff that happened in the 1850s? Right? Mm-hmm. We're in 2022. You'll hear that argument trotted out there. right? We can't actually understand why our cities are as segregated as they are and why there's no grocery store in some part of town unless we go back and look at how zoning laws and real estate regulations were set up in the 1950s. Absolutely. right? Like Unless we understand how people purposely set it up so that folks couldn't get loans on that side of town, Absolutely. That impacts 2022, right? Generational wealth impact. And we have to look back and understand. And so here, you know, chapter nine, this is a place where the Bible actually refers to another book, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. so all Israel was enrolled by genealogies and these are written in the book of the Kings of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. So that's first and second Kings used to be one book. We talked about that way back when this talks about these genealogies have all been listed there before. And so the mm-hmm. chronicler's not doing something new. The chronicler's referring to something else that folks could go read. Right. But he's he's trying to teach, the chronicler's trying to teach something based on, here's our history. We're still heading somewhere, and we can't get there unless we know what brought us to this point. It's that same way in our church now. We can't know, in the Episcopal Church, we can't know our history unless we look back at at how we were set up and what's happened in the intervening years. We as a country, we can't move forward unless we wrestle with how things have been set up and, and what's brought us to this point. Well, and I think that is a great argument when people say we don't need to focus on the past. Like it's biblical, you know, um, <laughs> I hear that all the time. Um, I saw something on Facebook, somebody wrote something about it, you know, and I, I Alan knows this because before he left Upper South Carolina, he helped um, orchestrate this, but there's been a big group of us in this diocese that have just finished um, Sacred Ground, which if you don't know what that is, that is the Episcopal Church's um, 
wonderful attempt and resource to um, help us understand um, racial inequalities in um, our past. And I learned so much about just what you were talking about, like how our cities and towns were set up. And you can see why there's why there's so much riff between, you know, people of, of different colors and understandings. And you can see the white privilege. You can see all of that when you look at the history. And it just helped me to understand. And so I think the same thing um, is right here. And again, like this is not new stuff, folks. Like we want to be like racial reconciliation. This just feels so new. Hell no, it's been going on in the Bible for <laughs> a long time. I mean, like this is not new stuff excuse me for saying hell um but i get fired up you know um we love this bible we love this bible right but we forget that we need to use it towards today and the things that we need to do today and um remember that our history has a lot to do with how we function as people um so sorry i just went on a little tangent there gave you all a little sermon sermonette um but i think it's important and um again one of the reasons why we do this alan i i don't know about you but like i never have spent time in first and second chronicles before and i really was not kind of looking forward to it i was like ooh, i don't know about this it's it's been good for me to understand where i came from you yeah. feel the same way i do um you know we're out of time so we can't get to to 928 where it talks about the people who were in charge of utensils of service. We could have had another episode about the altar guild, right? Right. We've talked about, but here again, this is a repeat, right? Like we see that in here back in chapter six or chapter five, we hear about one of the tribes who transgressed against God and God gave them over. And so there is people who rebel and face consequences. We heard that ad nauseum 28. I mean, we had a whole deal where we talked about, you know, the people whose job it was to design the ark and, and the ark of the covenant and build things for it, the tabernacle and all that. We talked about the power of the lady. It comes back up here. Um, you know, people, others were appointed over the furniture, like everyone had a role to play. So there's all these things that it is a refresher course, but it reminds us that that work didn't just exist in one book of the Bible way back when. It continued to exist in the Chronicler's Day. It continues to exist. Your church probably couldn't function. My church certainly couldn't function without ushers and altar guild and yeah, greeters and all these people that, like, I, I don't know how to set the air conditioner in the nave, right? And yeah. so if it were just up to me, everyone would sweat. Yeah. But we have vergers and folks who know how to, to do those things. And thank that's, God. Yeah, thank God. And that's set up in scripture and they're highlighted. These people were in charge of these responsibilities to make sure folks could worship. Um, and I'm and so we glad get to hear I, it again. I think that is spot on, brother, and I appreciate that. And so, you know, as we may have said, you know, this is hard. Why are we doing this? I, I hope today you heard why we are doing this and the importance of it and um, that you learned something because I certainly did. Um, next week, we've got um, a return guest, a favorite, coming back. Um, and um, he'll help us talk through um, the next couple of chapters in Chronicles. Um, I hope and pray this week is full of God's love and joy for you all. And as always, remember, 
We love you, but most importantly, God does.